Hi, my name's Pete. This is Social Distance. Oh, now Pfizer. Oh, Pfizer. P F I Z E R says early analysis shows its COVID 19 vaccine is 90% effective. Very exciting. This is the CEO, CEO of Pfizer. This is what he says 90% is a game changer. 90%, now you're uh, hoping to have a tool in your war against this pandemic that could be significantly effective. Uh, how long this protection will last is something that we don't know right now, but uh, it's part of the objective of the study. We will follow up the 44,000 uh, people that uh, they received, uh, they are part of this uh, study, for two years. And during this follow-up, obviously, we will be looking also uh, the durability of uh, the immune responses. So there we go. So that's very, um, you know, encouraging news. That's Alex Burla, by the way. Borla. I don't know how you pronounce his name. And um, encouraging. I mean, obviously, we're not there yet, but this is pretty good for what are we now? The middle of, um, well, the start of November, really. It's November the 9th. So that's pretty good. You know, the start of November. We expected to hear some news before the end of the year. So that's looking looking good. We, we did expect to hear from these companies. It'd be interesting to see what AstraZeneca and Oxford say. Probably we'll know that in the next couple of weeks. But 90% effectiveness is, is, is great. And obviously Pfizer, well, maybe not obviously, but Pfizer are, uh, there's a big um, American push on the Pfizer uh, vaccine. But the UK government, well, who knows? <laughs> but at least they're saying that they're buying up tens of millions of doses for it. And also, you know, they are part of this global initiative to make sure that the vaccine is uh, distributed to parts of the world that just can't afford to, you know, buy expensive vaccines. Um, so that's, you know, obviously absolutely essential. Uh, in terms of the pecking order, it's basically the kind of oldest, well, it's uh, uh, healthcare workers first and then the old people, you know, the like 80 plus and then 60 plus and then um, people with extreme vulnerabilities uh, over the age of 40, I think, 40 or 45, something like that. And then so it kind of like, you know, they're staggering it in terms of well, we're not there yet, but when it does get dished out, and I'm quite hopeful. Obviously, it's a it's brilliant because it shows us that they're onto something. You know, ninety percent isn't a hundred percent, and there's lots of hoops to jump through. Of course, yeah, we're not there yet. We don't have the fucking thing yet, but it looks it's obviously looks very very promising, and you know, interesting that of course. Uh, you know, after the weekend's news, things are beginning to look a bit optimistic. Also, we've got data coming out that the uh, the kind of week before the lockdown is starting to kind of temper and suppress the, um, you know, the, the infection rate in uh, England, which is to be expected. You know, like I was saying, when... Um, Sausage Johnson said that we were going to go into a second lockdown. You know, I spoke about, well, that's like a signal for all of us basically now to get our head down. It looks like people have done that. 
So it's basically, it's all, you know, going pretty well at the moment. So I'm very happy to say that I've received some uh, audio from a friend of the researchers for the podcast who lives in New Zealand. And for a long time, the rest of the world have been wondering, what is it like in New Zealand? And how has it been for those lucky enough, those few, those lucky few that live in New Zealand? So... Um, it's, it's excellent audio and I'm going to play it in a moment and it's from this guy called Rupert and Rupert works in a film I think he works as a person that constructs sets in film and he's an artist and makes work with wood and he's based in New Zealand I think he's um, uh, British his accent certainly suggests that and um, uh, I'll go over to Rupert in a moment, but I'm going to cut in at some point just to emphasise the contrast between the New Zealand approach and the British approach, okay? Um, you know, it'll become absolutely clear what I'm talking about. But anyway, so thank you ever so much, Rupert, for sending this in. I really, really appreciate it. And I think it's really... Um, enlightening for the rest of us you know those poor fuckers that don't live in New Zealand to hear it so thank you ever so much Rupert much appreciated that's me Rupert Herring so um, you wanted me to talk about my experience of coronavirus and lockdowns except here in New Zealand where I live um, about an hour north of Auckland so yeah, um, where to begin? Oh, that's the thing, isn't it? Where to begin? Maybe at the beginning. To begin at the beginning. Um, right, so yeah, I was working down in Auckland on a film and um, I kept sort of hearing little snippets on the radio coming in every now and then about this coronavirus and Wuhan and stuff and it was just kind of like a little news snippet in the background I suppose and the sort of news got more and more on a sort of daily daily basis I guess and then it became to be to appear to be a bit more serious than was initially thought of by everybody I suppose and then um, it just happened to turn out that I was um, leaving finishing up on that film um, in about two weeks anyway from finding out what was happening and my intention was to have a few months off work, two or three months off work and spend a bit of time at home and do some work on the house and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I always feel a bit bad about saying this because I know that so many people have gone through such awful, incredibly awful, terrible, terrible times um, and still are. Um, but I can only speak from my own personal experience, obviously, and, um, yes. So, um, after about, yeah, about two weeks of finding out, I then came back up home. Um, and then it was kind of more and more frequently on the news. And then there was one day I was just working away in the workshop and then it was getting quite full on on the news saying about, 
you know, blah, blah, blah. We're gonna, talking about lockdowns about a week previous before and then what a lockdown kind of meant. And then on that particular day, I had a kind of a very weird sort of feeling, a quite, quite a kind of, quite afraid actually, just being right out here. We're a very isolated spot out in the Copra Harbour. Um, and just feeling really afraid for, for Lou and Lily, Lily my daughter and Lou my partner, my partner man, um, who was out and about in the world, you know, just down the road in the, in the local town and whatever. And Lily was at kindergarten. And I was kind of thinking about it all that morning and thinking, you know, I don't really want, I don't think I want Lily to be going to kindergarten anymore. This is getting, um, this appears to be quite serious. Um, so I kind of made the decision in my mind, right, Lily's not going to kindergarten for the rest of the week and we're just going to see what happens, sort of thing. And then all this stuff was coming back on the radio again more and more. And then it turned out that on that very day, um, there was, um, that was when lockdown was initiated or it was the following day, I think, that they said, you know, from 12 o'clock tomorrow, we're going to lock the whole country down. Nobody's to leave the house. Um, no schools are open, no kindergarten, no nothing apart from shops, basic services, um, food basically is all, is all you can go out for. And um, that's it, really. New Zealand went into lockdown on the 26th of March. And on that date, there were 283 people that had COVID-19. The vast majority of them were people that had come into New Zealand from other parts of the of the uh, country. And there were only four community cases. Uh, nevertheless, even though there were so few community cases, um, the uh, government had already gone through the alert levels to alert people that cases were spreading in the community. And then they got to alert level four and had a national lockdown on the 26th. And only uh, they recorded their first death. The first death happened on the 29th of March. Now in the UK, we went into lockdown uh, that week as well. We went into lockdown on March the 23rd and there were 6,650 cases in the UK, right? 6,650. And 335 people had already died of the fucking thing. So a big difference there, you know? And one of the other major differences is that Rupert hadn't really said this, but uh, anybody that was coming back was uh, into New Zealand, was quarantined for two weeks. They were put up, it, like at the government's expense, you got off the airport and you went into quarantine as a, as a matter of course, yep? And that stopped the transmission. I mean, it ceased it, incredibly ceased it. And then, uh, and they would, were publishing the number of people that had done their um, quarantine time. Like, you know, the couple of days before they went into lockdown, there was something like 2,000 people who had come back into the country, stayed in a hotel or like somewhere, an apartment or whatever, uh, for two weeks, and then, and then, you know, kind of returned back to normal life, if you like. So another example of a total difference in uh, the, the contrast between the UK and New Zealand. Yeah, it was quite a strange, even though I'm out here completely on my own that day, I really just, I don't know, it was something I've, I just kind of felt, felt quite afraid, actually. 
and sort of um, a bit daunted by it all and thinking about friends and family and everything and wondering what's going on, what's, what's this all about, you know. Um, and then Lou and Lily came back and then I think the next day we went out and did a big shot but not ridiculous, you know. There was there was a few people just panic buying and buying loads of loo rolls and whatever. Um, but we just did like our normal normal sort of two weekly sort of shops, so loads of tins and kind of stocked up. And then the first few days just at home were quite weird, really. And just sort of hanging out and took a little couple of days to sort of get into it, being used to being at home, especially as I was working away previously all week and then back at weekends. But then after a couple of days, I really kind of got into it and really enjoyed it and loved spending time with Lily. Lou carried on working, um, set up a little office from home as a, as a child nurse and did sort of Zoom calls and stuff like that. And I'd look after Lily in the morning, we'd hang out, um, do loads of drawing. We were doing two or three hours drawing every day and um, made turn the spare room into a whole gallery, which was an amazing project and just such a good thing to do, to spend that time with her, which I wouldn't have normally, you know. So yeah, we got loads done and Lou was over there working and then Lou would come over at lunchtime and then I'd work for the afternoon on the house and stuff. And um, yeah, started to, you know, pick things in the garden and eat, eat all the, some with a load of spinach left over and a load of other stuff and things. and just got back to a very simple, basic kind of style of life, I suppose, which which felt really good. And I think a lot of people in the country did that as well and sort of realised that you don't need to buy all of this, all this crap and all this stuff that we constantly consume on a day-to-day -day basis. And all you really need is, um, is food, clothes and shelter. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, we were, here, we were here for a month all together and it was great, it was brilliant. It was an amazing time. Really good just to spend time with Lou and Lily and hang out and just found that we had time to do all of those things that had been kind of pushed aside, I guess. Um, so yeah, for us, it was, it was a really good experience, really. Um, and I think for a lot of other people here in New Zealand, it was as well. Um, not right across the board obviously there was some people who had had a real hard time with it and it was absolutely awful you know but um oh yeah and i should say as well within about two weeks or so i was chatting to a friend on the phone who's also kind of self-employed and he said that the government were giving out um a subsidy to self-employed people so he said i should apply for it so i applied for that and literally within 24 hours i had seven and a half thousand dollars in my account um which was just crazy i just couldn't quite believe it and it felt it felt very good it felt like I, we were kind of um we were being looked after by the government i suppose and um it was it was being sorted and they wanted us to stay at home they wanted to get it all to get it all under control, basically, I suppose. And that money really helped that. It took out that stress, that financial stress. Because, I mean, I would have had to have gone back to work after a few months anyway, you know. So that was that was really good to have that money, to have that back up. And just bought us the time, really, at home. And just, yeah, it was, um, it was good. I can't complain. Um, but I do feel quite guilty about saying it as well. Because, as I say, I know that so many people have and are going through so much hardship 
with um, with this virus. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what happened on the first lockdown. And then we kind of got back to some sort of normality after that, the numbers had gone down, etc. And then, um, yeah, we were in kind of moved through a level. So we went down, I think that was, yeah, that was, that was lockdown uh, level four or whatever. And then we went down to three. So you could kind of still go out, you could go out, but there were restrictions in place. And then, yeah, a few months passed like that. And it kind of, then it went all the way down to level one. The whole country was in level one. And there was just a few cases being found here and there willy nilly. Um, and then another kind of second wave, well, not second wave, that's a bit of an exaggeration, too much to say, I suppose, but uh, kind of there was a few cases found in Auckland. So Auckland went back into level three. Um, so they were on a on a lockdown basically, and we were in level two, which still meant that we could kind of travel around, but it was all trace and track and all that, what have you. Um, at this point, I went back down to Auckland to work, and then it was yeah, it was quite a crazy experience really, because just going into the film studio and all your temperatures being tested, and then normally with with you know breaks and stuff like that. And, You'd, um, you'd just go and help yourself to all the food and whatever, but there was people having to make it for you and then one person in at a time and all these sort of strict sort of um, levels put in place, I suppose. And, you know, and social distancing and all of that in the workplace. No, um, no singing was one of the rules which got me, which felt like a bit of a kind of a killjoy rule. Um, but yeah, in time that eased, I think that was on for about two weeks or so. And now we're sort of back into a case where it seems like we're all in, in level one, really. Obviously, there's still a few cases, but they're all in isolated um, isolated um, hotels and what have you of people coming in in isolation. But there's no cases out in the community as far as I'm aware um, today. Um, so yeah, that's just a little sort of sum up. Um, there's loads more I could say, obviously, but um, yeah, that's uh, kind of how it's been for us here, in a sense, a very small segment of it. So in total, New Zealand have had 1,986 cases of COVID-19 and only 25 deaths. And the last death, was on the 16th of September. And a couple of cases, like Rupert said, there's a couple of cases, you know, every day really that uh, pop up. But these people are uh, folks coming back from other parts of the world, yeah, back into New Zealand. And so they're part of the Manager Isolation Programme, as the New Zealand government calls it, whereby, you know, like I was saying, put, put up for a couple of weeks told to quarantine and taken care of, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that independent sage are calling on, you know, uh, taste, trace, taste, taste. That's what they're calling on. <laughs> Test, trace, isolate, and then support, yeah? So the idea is that you have your test in the, um, in the fucking airport or whatever, and then you go into isolation on the basis that you might have the fucking thing, right? And then only when you know that you don't have it, because you have a test a couple of days later, are you then told, well, okay, fine, you don't need to self-isolate. 
and this is it's it's fantastic work a huge contrast between and i know that i do have listeners in uh, other parts of the world who um, have got low numbers like vietnam for instance um so you know please do send in your fucking audio pal whoever you are in vietnam um and absolutely please do but the vast majority of my listeners are like me i'm living in a place where it is out of control you know and there is no testing trace and all the rest of it you know so it's really refreshing to hear from uh somebody that's you know living uh in a place that have got their shit together and the incredibly efficient quick turnaround time and the generosity of financial swipes of the New Zealand government is another contrast with well everywhere else everywhere else imagine that two weeks later uh, all that money beautiful so thank you so much Rupert for sending that in i really appreciate it a lot and take a look at Rupert's work on his website rupertherring.com herring is h e r r i n g i don't know is there another spelling of herring but anyway that's how you spell rupert's surname r u p e r t h e r r i n g c o m is beautiful work he is a master he's an absolute master so check her out yes thank you rupert <laughs> Thank you very much. I run to the shop, bump into everyone. Say, have you heard? Have you heard the news? There is a podcast called Social Distancer. Share it, like it, astound your friends. Everything you want to hear about. The greatest public health emergency in any of our lives. Four times a week, and it is free. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and an omnibus on Sundays. Fucking great elsewhere. So um, Biden has hit the ground running. He's uh, announced his coronavirus task force, which looks very good. And old, um, you know, orange man is still in denial. Um, doesn't really matter. There is a piece of paper that needed to be um, signed that the fucker is refusing to sign. Not orange man, but some other guy that works for orange man. Which means that the money can't be released in order for the transition to happen. To happen. But I expect it will just be a couple of days before Mitch McConnell or someone... Um, you know, kind of has a word with him. I think it's the the process has started, and it shouldn't really be much of a issue, he says. <laughs> anyway, um, now after yesterday's epic, let's do a bit of a shorty. Um, take care. It's still raging out there in many places, so we've got to take care of ourselves. And now let's think. What should we think of tonight? Um, what about something? Is there is there a hexagonal uh, creature? Can you think of any hexagonal creatures? Um, not really a. It's very difficult, isn't it, putting these restrictions on me, on myself, on myself. 
uh, maybe a, oh, kind of honeycomby. Let's think of the bee, the um, uh, infamous bee, the fucking pest. I can't wait until all those things are fucking dead. No, I didn't mean that. I know it's a big deal that the bees are dying. I know it's a big deal that the bees are dying. Let's think of a bee. Bzz, 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 bzz. Walk between the... <laughs> One, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Thank you ever so much for listening. And uh, next show is Wednesday. So take care. Bye.